Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. In the New Covenant, we have boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies by a new and living way. For so long, I was just always reaching out towards God. Where are you, Lord? But when I heard Andrew's message, it was just like the light bulb went off, and I just like knew God is here with us. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Friday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today is the end of my fourth week of teaching on a subject that I've entitled Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith. This is a book that I have on this. The very first book I ever put out was entitled Grace and Faith. This is a new, updated, new and improved version. But this is a teaching that God has used. And I mean, this has been just a foundational truth in my life for over 30 years. And I really encourage you to get it. Today's going to be my last day to offer any of these products on Grace and Faith. Now, you can still get them if you go to our website and if you ask for them. But today will be our last day to promote it. On this coming Monday's broadcast, we'll start a brand new topic. And so I encourage you to please get this. This, this is life-changing. It's really, really important, the things that we've been teaching. And you know, this last week, what I've been doing is just talking about how this truth about God's grace, everything is done by grace. He moves completely independent, separate from me, from my performance by grace. And faith is not what I do to move God. He's already moved. Faith is just my positive response to what He's already done. It's how I appropriate what has already been provided by grace. And I've been talking about how this has affected my personal relationship with Him because I understand that God loves me completely independent of anything I deserve, and I just rest in that. And I've been saying this from a hundred different ways this last week. I know that a lot of people will watch this program and I'm basically saying the same thing, just using different scriptures, coming at it from a different way. And some people will think, well, man, you already made your point. Let's move on. Teach something else. You're just saying the same thing. This reminds me of a story I heard about a pastor that went and auditioned at a church you know, to become their pastor. And he preached on John 3, 16, and everybody just thought it was a great, great message. And so they voted him in as the pastor. So he moved there, and his very first service as the pastor, he preached on John 3, 16. And they thought he must have forgotten what he taught on, and they thought it was just a mistake. So they let it go, and they didn't say anything about it. The next Sunday, he got up, and he preached on John 3, 16. And they were thinking, what is the deal? This guy's not paying attention to what he's preached, and, but nobody said anything. Finally, the fourth time in a row, he preached on John 3, 16, and the people got together, and they appointed one of the elders to go and talk to him. And they said, Pastor, you've preached on John 3, 16 four weeks in a row. Don't you know anything else? And he says, when you start living John 3, 16, then I'll preach something different. Amen. You know, if that's the way that we ministered, we just stayed on something and preached it until people got it, I guarantee you, you wouldn't have to have very many messages. And so I know that there's some people that are probably thinking, well, you're saying the same things about the love of God and it being by grace and not by all of your effort and stuff. But I'm telling you, when you start living this way and living free under the grace of God, then I'll preach something else. 
I, we need to hear this over and over and over again. Let me turn over to 1 John chapter 2, and I want to share with you something that I call spiritual dyslexia. You know, dyslexia is when a person sees things backwards. And I don't understand all of the reasons how that happens. But anyway, a person who's seeing the words G-O-D, God, a dyslexic would read it D-O-G, dog. There's a huge difference between God and dog. And yet a dysle dyslexic person just sees everything backward. They'll see the exact same letters, but they will get a completely different word out of it because they see things backwards. Well, similarly, there is a spiritual condition that I call spiritual dyslexia. And let me just read some verses to you and point out how people with spiritual dyslexia read this the exact opposite of what it is intended. Here in 1 John chapter 2, in verse 1, he says, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now, people with spiritual dyslexia read this verse, this third verse, and they say, well, here's how you know if you know him, you have to keep his commandments. Well, I want to know him, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to keep the commandments, and that will make me know God. No, that's not what this is saying. Keeping the commandments does not cause you to know God. You can look at the Pharisees of Jesus' day, and they kept the commandments. Man, they were living holy lives. They tithed on things, even the spices that grew in their garden. They tithed on the mint and the anise and the cumin. And they tithed on everything. They were doing the commands, and yet they didn't know God. Keeping the commandments does not cause you to know God, but knowing God will cause you to keep the commandments. If you really knew God, man, I just wished I had better words to get this across. But if you really knew God, if you knew how good He is, if you knew how much He loved you, if you knew how much He wanted to bless you and all of the awesome things He has planned for you, you would live holy. You would follow Him. You would not want to give Satan any inroad into your life to steal one single thing from you that God has planned. If you really knew God, you would live holy. Therefore, you can look at people who are living unholy and say, these people don't know God. Now, it's possible that they could know Him as Savior and still not live holy because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And maybe all they heard was just you can believe and get forgiven of your sins and they, that's all the faith that they have and they haven't heard the rest of it and so they're living a substandard life and getting substandard results because they haven't heard the truth. But to a large degree or majority, you could say that people who are living an unholy life are living that way because they don't truly know God. If you knew God, knowing God will make you live holy. It's not the other way around. Living holy doesn't make you know God. And then in the next verse, it says, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Well, nobody wants to be a liar. Nobody wants to be totally void of the truth. We want to know God. So what do we have to do? People will read this and say, well, man, it, 
I just keep His commandments and then I'll know Him. Again, no, that's dyslexic. That's the opposite of what this is saying. Keeping the commandments doesn't cause you to know Him, but knowing Him will cause you to keep the commandments. That's really awesome. It says in verse 5, But whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Well, people read this and say, Well, I want the love of God perfected in me, so what do I have to do? Well, i got to keep his word, and then the love of God will be perfected. No, this is saying that when the love of God is perfected in you, the results will be that you will keep his word. Keeping the word does not cause the love to be perfected. You have to receive the love, and then that will cause you to act out His Word and to live holy as a byproduct. Man, I hope that you see what I'm saying. Many people probably watching this program are saying, I don't see any difference. What's the difference? It's huge difference. It's a huge difference. If I am doing things in order to gain your acceptance, that is completely different than me just accepting your acceptance and you loving me unconditionally and then I'm so touched that in response I am doing things for you. But I'm not doing it to gain your acceptance. I'm doing it in thanksgiving and appreciation for your acceptance. And I don't know if you can understand that, but that's different. If you could translate this to a marriage relationship, if you just have to... You know, if you have to remember every birthday every anniversary, every little thing, and you've got to give a present, and it's demanded, and it's commanded of you, and you do it in order to keep peace. That is totally different than a person who just loves you unconditionally, and whether you acknowledge their birthday or anniversary or anything, it doesn't matter. And then you give something, and it's just totally a free gift, and then they appreciate it because it was voluntary. That is completely different than having it demanded of you. You know, I remember when we first got married that Jamie's family was into all of these things. You, you had to observe birthdays and stuff. My family was the opposite. I mean, if you got a gift on a birthday, it was unusual. We didn't give birthday gifts. We didn't. We might have a cake sometimes. Sometimes we didn't. I mean, it just wasn't a big thing. We didn't observe certain days. But in Jamie's family, boy, you did. And so it was, uh, I think, Jamie's father's birthday. I can't remember the occasion. But anyway, it was some occasion, birthday or, or Christmas or something special. And anyway, I came over and gave Jamie's dad a gift, but it was late. I didn't do it early. I didn't rush over early in the morning. I gave it to him, but it was later in the day. And he just, well, I wondered if you were going to get me anything. And he was really put out. And stuff, and you know what that did to me? It made me want to say, well, take it back, amen. I'm not, I'm not going to give this to you if that's the attitude that you had. It was like you owed me this and you're late. You nearly missed it. See, that's, that takes all of the joy out of it. And there's many people that they look at their serving God as a duty, as an obligation, something they have to do to appease an angry God and to keep Him blessing them. I'm telling you, it totally changes your relationship when you understand that God is good, that God is never going to reject you. He'll never leave you. His gifts and His callings, He'll never take away. Even when you mess up, God is going to be faithful to you. And then 
you serve Him, not in order to get His blessings, but in thanksgiving and gratitude for what He's already done for you. It changes everything. I know that this is going right over the head of a lot of people. But for those of you who can receive it, man, this would just totally transform your relationship if you would start serving God out of love and not in order to be loved. That is huge. Let me just share this with you out of Romans chapter 6. Here's another passage of Scripture that kind of, you know, shows this spiritual dyslexia. But in Romans chapter 6, and again, if you were to take the entire book of Romans in context, it's all talking about the grace of God. That's what the gospel is. And in Romans chapter 6, and in verse 20, it says, For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Now, I'm going to read on down through verse 22, but before I get there, I've just got to define some of these things. What's it talking about when it says, when you were the servants of sin? Well, this is talking about before you got born again. We were servants. The word servants here is a slave. We were enslaved by sin. So before we were born again, we were a slave of sin, and we were free from righteousness. What does it mean when it says you're free from righteousness. Does this mean that a person who's not born again can't do anything that's right? Anything that's good? Certainly not. There's people that don't know the Lord that they are kind to their family. They're kind to certain people, people who treat them good. They'll treat them good. There's people that go out and do good things. They come up with inventions. They help people. People who don't know the Lord can do good things. But what this is saying is those good things don't change your nature. You could be a good person. You could be doing good things. You can go to church. You can pay your tithes. But if you haven't been changed in your heart, your goodness doesn't change your evil nature. We were all born separated from God, and we must be born again. And so your goodness can't change your badness. You are at your core, before you get born again, a child of the devil is what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. We were by nature a child of the devil. That was our core. And you have to be born again. Your goodness can't change that core. In the Old Testament, it says, can a leopard change his spots? And the obvious answer is no. You are by nature a sinner, and you have to be born again. You can't just improve and work your way out of it. That's what that's talking about. So it says, when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. You could do right things, but it didn't make you righteous. You were still a sinner by nature. In verse 21, it says, what fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Now, in verse 22, it's using the exact same terminology, but in applying it in the opposite direction. In verse 20, it says, you were servants of sin. That's talking about before you're born again. Verse 22 says, now you are servants to God. So if servants to sin was talking about before you got born again, servants to God is talking about after you're born again. In verse 20, it says, you were free from righteousness. That didn't mean that you couldn't do anything right but that righteousness didn't change your nature. You were still a sinner by nature. In verse 22, it says you are now made free from sin. Does this mean 
that once you get born again, you can't sin? Obviously not. Now, I just did a radio interview with a guy, and he was telling me that he cannot sin, that he is absolutely holy, and it's impossible for him to sin ever since he got born again. And uh, anyway, it was just hard for me to talk to him. That's the only person I've ever heard say stuff like that. Most of us are very aware that even though we're born again, we can still sin. Matter of fact, those verses that I was using, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, it says, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not, and if any man sin, you have an advocate with the Father. So right there in context, it's talking to believers, and yet it's saying, if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So most people are well aware that as Christians, we can still sin, but this says we are free from sin. This doesn't mean you can't sin, but it means that the sin you commit doesn't change your born-again righteous nature any more than the goodness you commit before you got born again changed your sinful nature. That is a powerful truth right there. It's like a coin. If you're going to accept that one side of it is real, well, then the flip side is real. If that is a genuine coin... There's a heads and a tails to it. You can't just sit here and say, accept one side of it and say, well, I believe that my goodness doesn't change my sinful nature. I have to be born again. If you're going to accept that, you have to accept the other side that once you get born again, your badness doesn't change your righteous nature. You were born again, created in righteousness and true holiness, Ephesians 4, 24. And it's because of the grace of God that all of this works. It's not your goodness that produced salvation. And once you are saved, your badness can't change your salvation. Now, your badness, your lack of godliness and seeking the Lord can cause you to take your attention away from the Lord. And like Peter, you can begin to sink, but God hasn't sunk. God didn't change. God didn't change anything. It's just that you are no longer focused on the Lord, and that's the reason you aren't kept in perfect peace. And so it is important that we live holy. It is important that we seek God, but not from God's standpoint. God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Your goodness did not occasion God loving you. Your badness doesn't make Him turn away from you. God loves you, period. But there's things you can do that will make you sensitive to God's love, that will make you understand it and receive it. When you live in sin, here's another way of putting it, but sin just makes you stupid. Sin makes you spiritually dull and non-perceptive. Sin hardens your heart towards God. And so if you're living in sin, quit it, but not so that God can love you. God loves you independent of your performance. And if you ever knew that, just like those verses I was using over in 1 John chapter 2, if you really knew God, and knew how much He loved you, you would keep His commandments. You would live holy. You would be so thrilled with what God has done in your life that I guarantee you, you everything else would just pale in comparison. All of the things of this world that Satan uses to distract us and get us off of the Word and away from spending time with God, if you ever really tasted and saw how good God was, you would devote yourself to Him 100%. That's exactly what happened to me. I gave up my testimony, but I was a Christian 
for 10 years, but I was trusting in my own goodness and I was living a holy life out of performance mentality, trying to earn the things of God, but I was frustrated. It never got me where I wanted to go. I prayed for my dad to be healed and he died just the same as the unbeliever next door prayed for their dad and they died. I didn't see any benefit. I believed in God. I was born again, but I wasn't seeing any benefit until I finally quit trusting in myself. And when I understood that God loved me unconditionally and that He just loved me, it wasn't because I was lovely. When I understood that, when I experienced that love, that has now been 47 years. And 47 years later, I am seeking God with everything I've got. And I am loving God and it has caused me, it has motivated me. The love of God motivated me, not negative fear and punishment driving me to God. And I'm telling you that if you could understand this, if you could ever know the love of God, then the end results will be that you'll live holier accidentally than you ever have on purpose before. I really believe that. I know that not everybody's going to receive what I'm saying. As I've said earlier, this goes over the head of people. It has to come by revelation. But I really believe that God has spoken to many of you through this series and that God has just implanted in you that He loves you, that He has awesome plans for you. He's not mad at you. He's not even in a bad mood. He's not upset. It's just as if you'd never sinned from God's standpoint. Now, if you've lived in sin, there are consequences and you may have thoughts and memories that you have to deal with. There may be, you could be in prison and you know what? You're going you're gonna to have to fulfill that debt that you paid to society. But from God's standpoint, it's just as if you've never sinned. Maybe you destroyed your marriage through being unfaithful to your mate or doing things. And you know what? There's consequences. But God loves you. It's just as if you've never sinned. The moment you turn and make Him your Lord, He's wiped it away. And God isn't holding any of this stuff against you. But you live in a world where people will hold things against you. And if you've messed up your marriage, you may have to be diligent and do things to prove to the person and earn their trust and earn their love. But I can guarantee you God gives His love not because it's been earned, but because it's a free gift. It says in Romans 6, 23 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's not something you earn. It's a gift. Right now, I believe that there are people watching this program that for whatever reason, you've never truly received this gift. You believe that God exists. You know that you've sinned and come short, but you have never just reached out and by faith taken that gift. I'd like to encourage you to call. Right now, we have people standing by that will take your calls. And they can not only give you all of this product that we're offering today, but they can also pray with you and you could be born again. You could receive this. If you don't know exactly how to do it, if you want somebody just to pray with you and help you, that's what we're here for. We have a number on your screen and we have people that would love to pray with you and see you receive this gift of salvation. And as you receive this prayer also, we would love to send you these materials. This book on living in the balance of grace and faith, a study guide, CDs, and DVDs. This is our last day to make this offer. 
So I encourage you to call and please get the materials. But if you don't know this love of God personally, if you've never received it, please just ask for prayer. Call that number on your screen. We'd love to pray with you. I'd like to encourage you to call in. And I know that God is speaking to many, many people. And you may have had the Lord touch you today. And if you just need somebody to touch and agree with you, the scripture says, if any two of you agree touching anything that they ask, it shall be done for them of my Father. So we have these people, I mean powerful people who love God and are equipped in the Word of God. They're there to pray with you and help you. The number is 719-635-1111. That's 719-635-1111. We hope you were blessed by today's episode of The Gospel Truth. Andrew and Jamie wish to share their sincere gratitude for all the grace partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your generous partnership enables us to take the gospel, the nearly too good to be true news, to the ends of the earth. May God richly bless you for your faithfulness. If you're not already partnering with Andrew Womack Ministries, we encourage you to join us in this great harvest today. I would really like to encourage you to get this teaching on living in the balance of grace and faith. I think this really just summarizes the position that God has given me in the body of Christ. It seems like you have people that are either into faith or into grace, but very seldom are the two combined, and this teaching would transform your life. I've got a book in English. I've got one in Spanish. We have a study guide here that is the same material. It's just reformatted so that you can disciple other people. You can print out the questions in here. And then we have a CD set of this exact same teaching. And then I have two different DVDs to offer you, one that was taken from our television program and the other one was taken live from one of my uh, meetings that I've held. So please listen to our announcer, respond today, and get this material on living in the balance of grace and faith. Andrew's teaching titled, Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith, is available as a live teaching on either CD or DVD or in a DVD set as seen on TV. You can also get this teaching as a book or study guide in either English or Spanish. Or you can get the Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith package, which includes your choice of either the CD or DVD album, the book and the study guide. This package has a catalog value of $85, but you can get it today for only $60. Also, today's individual audio CD is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give, but if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. This is the last day we'll be offering this teaching, so be sure to respond today. You can order resources or become a Grace Partner through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download many free resources. Or call our helpline at 719-635-1111. If the lines are busy, remember, you can order ministry materials or become a Grace Partner 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at awmi.net. If you'd like to write us, use the address on your screen. 
We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. I'd like to invite you to come to our campus days. We'll have all of our instructors ministering. We will have fellowship time together. There'll be questions and answers. And it's an opportunity for you to just come check out not only the spiritual things, but the facilities here. We have one of the most beautiful campuses in the world. You can't relate to God and find God through the surroundings, then the Word that we share will definitely bring you to another level. It'll be an awesome time right here in Woodland Park.